good to be with you guys again. I, you know, last year, this, uh, this conference last year impacted me in a big way. I don't know if you guys realize this, but I, I went home after finishing the task last year. I went to my staff and I said, I am not taking another speaking engagement this year unless it has to do with reaching the unreached people groups. I mean, that's how convicted I was. Because I, I, I go, this is, this is silly. You, you know, we're booking stuff, and, and if I don't show up, someone else will show up, and, and it's not that big of a difference. Like, somehow, unless we're mobilizing people to get to the people who've never heard, then I really don't want to speak at it. You know, because I feel like there's like these three to five million Christians in the U.S. that jump from conference to conference, podcast to podcast, right? And so they've already heard, you know, Chandler and Piper and Keller. And what am I going to add? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I'm a little funnier. You know, but it's not, what does it do for the kingdom, right? And so I said, man, the only things I'll take, I go, just put it up on the website. I'm only going to take things if it, it's about mobilizing people to get to the unreached. I, when, when they introduced me last year, they, they, uh, there was a quote on there by, by someone uh, that said, uh, Something about like it. <laughs> Shoot, what was it? Um, like it's not fair, basically. Like that someone hears the gospel twice till everyone's heard it once. That you guys know what I mean. Something along that line. And I thought about it. I thought ah, that's not really biblical, but I get it. Like that's not fair. So I'm gonna go to this conference to people who've heard the gospel a thousand times but they wanna hear it from my mouth. And like that makes sense to do with my life? And so, so, so understand, man, just the short time I was here last year, it, it got me so excited and uh, has really changed the focus for me. And so, it's, so this was meaningful, it's, it's good to be back. And in fact, um, two months ago, I, uh, I, I, for the first time in my life, I actually went to a tribe um, with someone who was at this conference last year, okay, to a tribe in, in Africa. It was in Ethiopia, and there were the, the last two tribes that hadn't been reached yet. And so we flew, took another flight, and then took a helicopter two hours. And we're in the middle of nowhere, right? And a missionary, you know, what was, had been dropped off there, had been there for a while, young guy, firefighter guy, just out of a guy, you know. And he's speaking their language perfectly, right? I mean, as far as I could tell. Because he's telling jokes, they're laughing. So I was like, okay, he, he must really be saying something. And... He's explained to me what they're doing and, and how, you know, how far he's gotten in the story of God and where they're at. And you guys, that was the first time in my life I'm, I'm in this tribe out in the middle of nowhere, absolutely nowhere, listening to this young man explaining to this group of people who have never in the history of that people group heard of Jesus. See, I've been in ministry for 30 years, and I've never been to something like that. And while I was there, I just kept thinking to myself, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. I, 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 was, I was jealous. I really was. 
I thought, man, why did I have the courage at his age to do something like this? Because when you're there, you know how a lot of the stuff we do here, you kind of go, I wonder if it did any good, right? I mean, aren't there days you come back from the office and go, did I, what did I do today? You know, and then sometimes you put in all of this effort, all of this money, rally all these people to do something, and afterwards you go, I wonder, was it worth it? But when you're standing in the middle of a tribe and you're listening to a guy explain to a people group for the first time who Adam and Eve are, there's no guessing. You just go, this is, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's not wasting his life. And, and it opened my eyes to, you know, what, what we do as leaders in mobilizing people. Of course, we've got to get the gospel to these people. But the other thing that we're accomplishing is we're helping people not to waste their lives. We're getting them to actually go and do something that you know God wants that you know is eternally significant. And how many people wander through life just going, did I waste it, did I waste it, did I waste it? But I've never heard someone go to an unreached people group, no matter how many years, whether there were a bunch of believers or not, go, well, that was a waste. Because you just go, that's straight out of Scripture. I, I left that people group, went back to the group that I was working with in Ethiopia, and was talking to this one doctor, telling him, explaining to him where I went. And he goes, oh, you went to them? He goes, they're bad, bad people. He starts explaining everything, you know, and what they do to the women and everything else. I'm like, really? They seem cool, you know? And I didn't know what they were saying about me, but, you know, it, it's just he was explaining it. But then he tells me, he goes, ah, oh, and this, this guy, he is a saint. You know how when you go overseas, you just meet some of the most amazing people where, man, the whole time I was watching him and his wife, I just kept praying for me and my wife, going, God, make us like them. Make us like them, please, God. Make us like them. I, I want to become like this couple. They're so sold out for you. Their hearts are so pure. They work tirelessly for you. So much joy, so much life. But he was telling me, he goes, oh, yeah, there was a group. He goes, the reason why I knew them was there was another tribe. There was another tribe really close to them. And, uh, and he said, he goes, and I researched them. He says, there were only 25 families left who spoke that language. And he goes, and I researched their language. This guy's a doctor, he's brilliant, um, but one of the greatest servants I know. He just goes, he goes, and it wasn't a dialect, it was an actual language. And only 25 families spoke it anymore. He says, because every time they went to get water, the crocodiles would kill them, or malaria was killing them off. And there were only 25 families that spoke this language that never heard of Jesus. He says, my heart just got overwhelmed. I, I just had to drop everything and say, no, we have to get mosquito nets out there. We have to get a well out there. He says, because he goes, I started to think, wait, no, based upon Revelation 7, 9, God wants every language group to worship Jesus. And if these 25 families die out, there'll be a language group on the earth that Jesus was not worshipped in. And so he goes, I just had to, I had to make it, and I'm just looking at this man's face like, 
what he went through, how he was agonizing because he wakes up in the morning and thinks, what does God want? God wants everyone, every language group to worship him. And he goes, man, I have to do something because here's this group that's going to die soon. And I just think, God, I don't wake up thinking about what you want and your desires. And that's why I love what, uh, what this was all about. There's just so many distractions out here. You know what I mean? Like tomorrow, what are you going to wake up thinking about? What are you going to think about tonight? Are you really going to be like, God, God, you wanted to worship from every single language group. Like, it's hard to keep that on the forefront of our minds. And that's why I go, man, what we're doing by mobilizing people as we're saving people from wasting their lives and saving them from thinking of lesser things. And that excites me. Um, but as I was praying for you specifically at this conference today, here's what came to mind. Um, it wasn't like, get you fired up for missions. <laughs> because hopefully that's why you were here. You know, it, it's kind of a little bit of preaching to the choir at that point. And um, motivating you to reach the unreached. I mean, that's who you are. But I'll just tell you what came out of my prayer time. I'm not saying this was of God. I'm just saying this is what was impressed in my mind. Was just to... really ask you to be honest with yourself in how you are doing in your own personal intimacy with Jesus. Like, are you still thrilled about prayer? Are you still just like looking at the gospel and I mean, honestly, I know we throw big words out there, but words like overwhelmed to where because it's, it's a good season in my life right now. My times with the Lord have been just so enjoyable and so rich. And I find myself alone in my room, like crying, like, like a few weeks ago, reading through the book of Romans. And I'm just, I'm going, have I ever even read the book of Romans? You, you know, because this is insane. Do you see what's on this, you know, in this book? Reading through Ephesians, going, are you kidding me? Last week, reading through Hebrews, I'm like, I don't think I've ever noticed this, Pat, you know. And it's just everything coming alive. You know those moments? It's just been a great season. On, on, on a Tuesday morning, just had this beautiful prayer time with the pastors in San Francisco, you know, where it was just, you just felt the power in that room. And then Tuesday night, another prayer gathering with, with, with my church. And I'm just like, oh God, I love this. And I want to leave this room. These, I love these people. This is so beautiful. Then last night, man, I saw the answer to so many of those prayers, you know, was something that I was dealing with where you go, 
are you kidding me, Lord? I didn't even think of that as a solution. Look at the way you solved this, exactly what I prayed for. And, and you just go, God, this is so good, so good, so good. Sad. Okay, let me back up a little bit. Earlier this year, um, in February, I still I have it on my calendar because I remember all the I prayed and I asked God for something that was just ridiculous. Okay? There was a guy in our in our church and he heads up one of our ministries, young man, and I'd been hanging out with him. I'm listening to what he gets out of the Word of God. He tells me about his time with the Lord in the morning. I mean, we were getting together pretty regularly, and I'm I'd come home and go, honey. This guy, you gotta, the, the way he talks about the word, the way he talks about his prayer life, I've never met anything, anyone like him. And she's like, wow, you got like a little crush going here. I, I go, I do, like, I love this guy. And so in February, I just thought to myself, you know what, Lord, you answer everything. You're so good to me. And this may be too, I don't know, but I'm just gonna ask. Can you make him my son-in-law? Like, can I just ask? He doesn't even know my daughter, but can you make him fall in love with my daughter? And can you make my daughter fall in love with him? Okay, nothing happens, okay? This was February, nothing happens. July, July, I wake up one morning and I just go, God, I'm so used to you answering, like, things, you know, and I, I, I feel distant from you. You know, I, I go, I, I, I've never prayed this before. I go, God, I feel, I'm sorry, but I feel insecure this morning. I feel a bit, almost like a neglected housewife, you know, like, you don't love me anymore. Like, like it, it just, and I know it's me. I said, God, and I know it's not about feelings, but I'm just going to ask, can you show me some love this morning? However you do, you know how he just answers like in the weirdest ways and you just know it was him an hour later that guy comes up to me and says can I ask your daughter out <laughs> and I'm like are you kidding me I mean I, I totally forgot you know like what and I'm like yes yes can I pay you got enough money you what do you want like please Please, please. That was in July. They got married Saturday. Okay? You know, I'm, I'm walking my daughter up the aisle. I am, a, I am bald. I have not cried that much in years. You know, we get to the altar. I'm ready to hand her off. My daughter's just embracing. We hugged up there. I mean, just clenching onto each other for probably a minute. It was so uncomfortable to everyone, like, what? Is, it, is, it gonna, is he going to let go? Is she going to let go? Because it just, you just go, God, you're grace. You know, I remember, I remember when she rebelled against you, and though you brought her back, and, and I remember her as a little kid jumping into my lap. I remember all of this, and then now I get to pick who she marries, and you, you answer like that. Like, I was already overwhelmed by your grace because of the word of God. But Lord, I don't get it. Sometimes I feel like an only child, like there's no way you listen to everyone like this. God, 
I love you, I love you, I love you, I adore you, I adore you, every day getting into his word. And it's just, it's just one of those great seasons. And I'm not going to, you know, pretend that, oh, I'm always like this. No, I'm not always like this. It's just a season where the word of God is coming alive to me and I'm loving it. And, 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 and the prayers, the way that God answers, and this isn't stories from way back. I'm talking about last night. Again, going, God, are you kidding me? Driving home from this meeting that should have gone miserably, and I'm in tears again going, God, how did, I wouldn't have even thought of that. And it's so beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful. And I look at the pastors in my church and, it's the same thing in their lives. It's just this, it's a great season for us. But I, I just need to ask you, is it that way for you right now? Because I also know how to get through ministry when I'm not even feeling it. And I'm not, I'm not certain that that's all wrong on certain days. But for seasons and for periods of time, I mean, honestly, okay, none of your congregations here, no one knows. It's just, are you just thrilled with him right now? Are you just like, man, I just feel like a baby lately, just crying, overwhelmed. Just going, God, why are you so good? Just flying over today. And, and again, just like my eyes welling up with tears, like, why, God? And it's, 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 it's the gospel. I mean, I, I was in my room reading through Romans by myself, and I'm just, I'm just out loud like, God, are you kidding me? You know, I'm like reading another verse like, are you kidding me? God, you're amazing. You're amazing. I'm in there. I'm singing. By myself, no one around, just belting it out. Like, you ever just have those times where it's like, God, I can't praise you well enough because everything in my heart just thinks you're worthy of so much more and I love you so much. And I just want to keep praying and praying and praying and praying. The gospel in Romans 2, when I was reading it, uh, Verse 4, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. I mean, you guys know the gospel you guys know Romans? You know, Romans starts off talking about the wrath of God in chapter 1, verse, verse 18. Uh, the wrath of God is being revealed against, you know, all the ungodliness and unrighteousness. You know, talk about how they exchange the truth of God for a lie. But then here in chapter 2, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, verse 4 where it's like, you know, the kindness of the Lord should lead you to repentance. But we, you know, sometimes skip chapter or verse 5 when he says, but because of your heart, Heart and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Think of that phrase. 
You are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Uh, in verse 8, those who are self-seeking, who do not obey the truth but unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Verse 9, there will be tribulation and distress for every human who does evil. Um, and, and I know, you know, we live in a time where people just don't want to believe this about God. But I don't know how you can take it out of the scriptures. I mean, you're reading the same thing I'm reading. How do you, how do you get rid of this stuff? Uh, but in chapter 3, verse 4, I love that phrase, that verse. By no means, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Such an important verse for our day and age. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. It means it doesn't matter if everyone on the planet all agreed on something. If God says they're wrong, then everyone's a liar. You get it? It's just about what he thinks, what he thinks is right. So I may not think that that wrath and that fury and that storing up wrath for the day of judgment, I may go, man, I don't know about that. But, but he goes on and he says in verse 5, but if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? What shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? He's just going, this is what God says. So I don't care what everyone feels, everyone thinks of the world. Let every single person on the earth be called a liar if they're contradicting God. It's just about him and what he thinks. And here's what he says. But I think what really hit me was as I'm reading these passages and thinking about, you know, facing God, it was the words in chapter 5 that just brought me to my knees. In verse 10 when he says, while we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. That word enemies, I just, I just pictured. Okay, just try to picture this with me. Here's Almighty God, and you stand before him at the end of your life. Just try to imagine this scene. You're speechless, right? Now what if you saw him and he was your enemy? And he says to you, you've been storing up wrath for yourself for this day.
meditate on that sometime. What would it feel like to come before the throne as an enemy of God and have him show you how you've stored up wrath for this day? The Bible makes it clear that chapter 3, verse 20, for by the works of the law, well, let's go back to verse 19, 319. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God, for by the works of law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. He says, you understand what the law, the purpose is? is the purpose of the law was not to bring righteousness. The purpose of the law was so that every mouth may be Stopped, and the whole world may be accountable to God. That was the purpose of the law, so that on judgment day, no one could say, hey, but it just, here's the law, here's what you did. You've got nothing to say for yourself. Just shut your mouth. I remember one time when I was single, I was, uh, I lived down here in Southern California, and I was going to speak at a, a winter camp up in Utah, and I just bought a new Mustang, and uh, you know, it's back in my materialistic days, and uh, had a couple buddies with me, and we're driving, and I get pulled over. I mean, I'm like just out of college. I got 90 miles an hour. That's a big ticket, and so in my mind, I just think, ah. Oh, I'm dead, I don't even know if I can cover this. The good thing is, on the way, it was in Barstow, and so that means I was still gonna pass through Vegas. And I thought, I'll make it back. I'll win it all back, right? That's brilliant, you know? $200 in the bank, I, I, I lost it all, you know? Like, okay, now I have a ticket and zero in the bank get back in my car to go to the camp, I get pulled over again. And I'm like, you can't do this. Oh, you can't do this. I go, look, 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 I messed up. I did, I went, I was, okay, look, I already have a ticket, you know? <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would help. I'm like, I already have a ticket from earlier. And, and, and he goes, well, you were going 75. I go, look, I'm learning. I, I was at 90. He's like, speed limit's 55. And it was just like, nothing I can say. It, it was a miserable day, obviously, but... Um, 
But I think of this verse. He says, don't you understand that's what the law is for? So you just look at your life, you look at the law and go, I don't have an argument here. I mean, that's a scary thought. Like, like I just imagine, like, what? What would that feel like? I'm standing before God, and he just puts the law out there, and he just shows me, boom, look what you did here. Look what you did here. Look what you did here. What am I going to say? How am I going to talk myself out of this? And now he says, man, I've been storing up wrath for this day, the day of my judgment and I know everyone on the earth down there says, oh, he can't do this, he can't do this. You know what? I'm going to shut all of their mouths and let God be true, though everyone a liar. Here it is. But God, being rich in mercy, right? Because of the great love with which he loved us. You see, it's like the God going, God, there was no chance for me. There was zero righteousness in me. By the law, I had no chance. That's what I was going to face. And then comes Jesus, who offers me righteousness, this righteousness in which I stand now. And these words just were leaping off the page. Chapter 5. Verse 8, God shows his love in us, in that, for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we're reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Wow. <sighs> We've been justified by faith. Let me read from chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now we're justified by faith, and we have peace with God. And I picture that God sitting on his throne and facing him. The fear that we'll all feel when we, if we could see him right now, right? And then the thought of him saying, you have peace with me. Come over here and stand behind me. You're one of mine. And can you imagine the fearlessness of, I'm on his side. I have peace. I'm standing in this grace now. All because of Jesus? Like, why did you do that? Why did you pick me? Why did you pour your grace out and open my eyes and enlighten me so that I could see this? And all of this is mine? When's the last time you screamed 
because of this? When's the last time you cried because of this? When's the last time you danced because of this? When's the last time you sang? No one else was even around. You just were like, oh, God, I just have to praise somehow because I'm still blown away by this. As I've been preaching for 30 years, I don't think I've been this excited about the gospel. It just keeps growing. It's not a thing where we're supposed to go backwards of, oh, I was excited when I first got saved, and now, uh, you know, and then now I'll get excited about other things. No, we've got to be men and women that are excited about this, terrified by this, and thrilled by it at the same time. And that's what motivates us to do what we do, is the thought of people standing before him as their enemies. You know, I was um, praying for my church before I preached last and uh, just saying, God, give me a word, you know, like I've got my message together, but I'm open, you know, if there's something you just feel like you want me to hit and the word insecurity just came to mind. Again, I'm not saying it's definitely of God. I test it biblically and go, I could see that. I could see people just working and doing stuff, but meanwhile, they're not sure of the hope in which they stand. Um, we are terrible hopers in, in, our, uh, in our day and age, right? Most of us in this room are terrible at hoping. Most of you are like me, where you go into a situation and you expect the worst. This way you won't get hurt. You won't be disappointed. Then if something just halfway decent happens, you're like, oh, good day, right? Because you've been let down too much. And what happens is that that's fine because people are going to let you down. And I don't know that it's wrong to go in a situation and expect the worst. But what, when, where it's wrong is when we start doing that to the promises of God. And we don't hope. This hope doesn't anchor our souls. We don't... We don't uh, rejoice in our suffering. We don't rejoice in this hope of the glory of God. We don't rejoice in this hope of, man, this is awesome, this is awesome. I'm going to be, I'm going to share in his glory. I'm going to share in his glory. Like me, Francis, nobody, you know, loser, screwed everything up, two tickets in one day. Me, I'm going to share in his glory. You kidding me? Like, so he's going to be standing in all of his glory, and I'm right there with him. Gosh, rejoicing in that. Like, hoping. Rejoice in the hope of his glory. Like, is that still you? I mean, these, this is awesome. This is a wonderful thing that we're doing. We're pursuing his mission. But I just got to ask in your own heart, is it ignited to where you rejoice in the hope of your glory? Or has this become a job to you? Is it a task? Is that all it is? Let's finish this task. Let's finish this task. Man, I am all for that. Amen, amen. But does it come out of a heart that says, because I love the gospel so much, I'm so blown away by the hope that I have. I have this relationship with God where, man, I pray to him. He answers me. He brings me to tears when he reminds me of what he's done for me. No one has sacrificed like that for me. I was headed for misery like I can't even imagine, facing the wrath of God as an enemy. And he poured his grace out on me and opened his, my eyes to his beauty. How can I not 
talk about this? And how can there be people on the earth that don't know about this? I've got to get, is that what motivates you? That's my prayer for you. That's what I felt led to share. And I, I also felt very led to pray for you in that regard. And before I pray, let me read this passage. Because, I don't know, man, I, I've, this isn't, I hope you take this right. I just feel like my prayers are awesome. <laughs> You know, like they're just powerful. I don't have a lot to boast about. You guys know, like if we took a theology quiz or whatever, most of you would beat me, okay? I can't boast in that. You know, athletically, I'm not much. I'm not, I, I, but what I can boast in is that I know him. And I understand, like, that's what the Bible says to do, right? If you're gonna boast, boast in this, that you know me. And I just feel like, God, I know you. This is insane. Like, I talk to you, and you answer me. And so I get excited because then I think, okay, God, then I'm just not going to talk. I just want to get up there and pray for these people because something happens when I pray. This is so cool. I want you to pray with faith going, man, if, if you don't even have faith in your own prayers, man, have faith in mine. Go, well, I know you listen to him. So this is cool. He's going to pray for me. Like, he's going to interact with you on my behalf. And, and see, this is the stuff that can become so normal to us. Like, okay, time to pray. I am more excited about prayer than I ever have been. I, 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 I believe I'm saying that with all integrity. Like, are you kidding me? I get to pray? This passage, I read it just a couple of days ago. Again, you know, you know what I'm talking about, where those of you who've read through the Bible several times and you come to a passage and go, is this new? You, you know, like, what, what version was I reading? Because it's so powerful, and you go, how can I? But there's those mornings, right? You just kind of read, and then you look back later and go, whoa, I missed this whole section. I must have been daydreaming. Well, I must have been doing that for 30 years, because this is so powerful. Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the heavens beg that no further messages be spoken to them for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. That is a mouthful. He says, do you know who you're about to talk to? Do you get this? You're, we're not, I'm not about to pray right now to someone I can touch. That's what he says. You're, you're coming for someone that you can't touch. So we're talking about a blazing fire. You can't touch a blazing fire. He says, and yet darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg, stop talking, I can't handle this. That's who we're coming before. We're coming before innumerable angels. We're coming before a God who says, look, I'll shake the heavens, I'll shake the earth, but my kingdom will not be shaken. I'll destroy everything else, but not you are a part of an unshakable kingdom. And you get to come before the judge of everyone, he says, and before Jesus Christ. And that's an honor to me. And I believe it's about to happen right now as I enter into prayer. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm gonna ask him to ignite this fire in you. I prayed this for myself. With all of my insecurities, like I talked about earlier, with all the insecurities, I prayed Ephesians over myself first. I go, God, would you enlighten the eyes of my heart? Enlighten the eyes of my heart, God, because I'm not sure of this hope. There's insecurity in me. Help me with that. God, help me. I'm supposed to be a pastor, and I've got my own insecurities. I'm not sure I believe in the riches of his inheritance and the saints. Like, God really sees me as his inheritance? Like, no one's ever thought of me like that. No one, no one liked me as a kid. No one, no one longed for me. I, I was just begging for attention. You're telling me God himself is going, man, I can't wait for Francis. There's the riches of my inheritance right there because what Christ did in him, he's that beautiful to me that I can't wait to have. And I'm like, God, I have a hard time believing that. Help me. I'm supposed to be a preacher. I'm supposed to be your prophet. I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I've got this instinct, help me fall in love with your grace again. Help me to get it again. And he answered that. I don't remember being this secure, feeling this loved. He answered my prayer. And I'm going to go before him, and I'm going to pray that for you now. So would you join me in faith to believe that something's about to happen in the next couple minutes?
Father, we are in a battle that is not against flesh and blood. And I know the enemy is causing many in this room to doubt. To doubt your love for them. To doubt the righteousness they have in Christ. Makes them afraid to hope in death to hope for the return and God I pray that you would destroy the works of the enemy I know that there are people here who have made commitments and Satan is going to go after them Father get them to doubt the immeasurable greatness of your power toward those who believe God many will leave this conference and things will happen in their lives that will discourage them and then they'll get in their own heads wondering if they're really going to pull it off. God, I pray, I pray for them, Father, that during those times your Holy Spirit will remind them of whatever scripture they need to be reminded of. Most of all, I pray that everyone in this room really gets your love, really gets your grace, really gets your mercy. God, the way you, you've opened my eyes lately to just how good you are. To where everything else just seems dumb. Compared to knowing you and being saved by you and having a righteousness in Christ. God, I pray that you would just sanctify them from worldly thinking. Get the lesser thoughts out of their mind. For those who have been believers for years, Lord, I pray that they'd be more overwhelmed by the gospel today than the day when they first believed. Please, can you make that happen, Lord? Please. Keep overwhelming us the truth of your gospel. Please protect us from the evil one, from the evil thoughts that go through our minds, lustful, proud, greedy, covetous thoughts. Get them out of our heads, Lord, that we'd be people who rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I also pray that you expose the sin in this room, the hypocrisy, for your own glory's sake. And if some people even need to be removed from their position in order for spirit-filled people to enter and do that as well, Lord, we just want to see your kingdom go forth in power and righteousness. But God, right now we just worship you. We thank you for giving us a righteousness that we could never have earned on our own. Praise the name of Jesus. We praise the name of Jesus. We worship Jesus in this room. Jesus is good. Jesus alone is holy. There is no other name, Lord. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. 
every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to your glory. And we confess that today. In his name we pray. Amen.